that era of my life was such a big moment because I went from being somebody that I never thought I could be, just being this kid that danced, had no... I had discipline because of my dad, but was in like a rebellious era. You're listening to the Taylor Coup Podcast. Join me as we do a deep dive into my passions and learning lessons in entrepreneurship, real estate, business, sports, art, and so much more. I hope you enjoy the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Taylor Coup Podcast. This is the show where I bring on just friends and experts within their fields and then just have a really real conversation just to hope to inspire and inspire you to learn more and and just be curious. And so for today, we have a very, very, very special guest. He's a good friend of mine. He's one of the most skilled people that I've met when it comes to trading up skills from being on one of the best dance crews in the world and training with top world-class choreographers to building Toyota Supras with his pops multiple times to joining the military at 19 years old and somehow making his way to being a director of sales and marketing for a real estate software company. So now even leaving that company and being full-time a full-time real estate investor, buying storage properties and wholesaling properties, he's one of those people that is always trying to look, act, and be professional. But right now, we're not going to be professional and we're going to break that down. Please give a warm welcome to Danny Aguirre. Dude, thank you. That's so weird hearing you say like <laughs> my past as a <laughs> as a dancer to working on cars. Dude, that's freaking nuts because like i usually get like yeah it's usually not the typical conversation but cool yeah, dude i appreciate yeah, it because i was listening to some of your other podcasts too and it it blows my mind that you haven't talked about dance at all like within yeah. those podcasts or even in, just in the real estate realm yeah 100 percent. well i i guess yeah just because it's always been like in in san diego and california dance is cool a guy dancing is like hell yeah like you dance um come to the party come dance come do this show me your moves but if you go to texas a little bit more of a manlier state or you go to somewhere like north dakota or when i was in the military i'd be like i strictly tell people oh yeah i break dance i didn't tell them like oh i did hip-hop or choreography or did all this stuff on like like teaching dancing learning all throughout california because i didn't want them to be like dang dude you're gay or something (laughs) and so yeah uh yeah it's not something i i address a lot but when the time comes i'll use it when i need to Um, especially with real estate investors that's crazy to me dude well because like and i'm and i'm not joking when i say he was like at one of the best crews in the entire world he literally was on one of the best crews in the entire world like learning from people that people like they fly these choreographers out across the world just to learn from. And he was like learning from them and then like forming with them. So it's, it, it blows my mind. It also kind of hurts my heart too, the, to the fact that you needed to suppress, I guess the, the, the image of it. Cause I guess also at, at the same time, I, I can, I can empathize because there's always that fear of like, someone's going to look at you differently and like, Oh, you're just a dancer and you're feminine. I remember, bringing that up as well, like in real estate and, you know, they do give a certain look, but it, it, it just sucks. Cause that was also like just a big part of your life as well. It was. Yeah. But it, it's cool. Cause like you and yourself were on literally some of the best teams. Uh, you, your brother owns a, a rad studio and is probably one of the most gangster dancers I've ever seen in Northern California. <laughs> Likewise, you, you still, you still dance when you get the chance to. So, I mean, like, it's crazy, like, hearing, seeing your story and also seeing, like, that we literally crossed paths when we were probably 16, 18 years old. Didn't and uh, we never knew it. Yeah, we never knew it. So, yeah, that's funny. Well, and, and I appreciate you reaching out on Instagram. You just commented on my my post, and then that's how we just got connected, and you just happened to be in Oh, yeah. Well. Dude, yeah. What, a, what a time. I forgot I reached out to you. I was just like, dang, this guy has a multifamily podcast. And uh, and then I looked at your oh, videos and you said and... dancer. And I was like, what? I'm like, if this guy dances, he'd probably dance at like Abby Lee's Dance Academy. And he does like <laughs> some type of ballet or something. Yeah. This guy's probably not all that in a bag of chips. And so uh, look, it went down. Your Instagram started looking and I was like, oh shit, this guy can dance. I was like, this guy has to be from California. Like, he has to be a part of one of the teams. He has to be a part of the community that I was in. 
long story short you were and i was like oh my oh, god shit. <laughs> Dude, it's crazy crazy Small to think world. about yeah, I haven't met too many many other dancers that's in this space. Well, I mean, commercial real estate is kind of a small space, anyways. Uh, but this brings me to a question about your upbringing, then, because when I looked back at your history, you were very much so like a creator. You were very expressive, uh, but then your parents, and then even just a lot of your family members, you know, shout out to Grandpa Ben, Grandma Connie, your pops, just all being either a police force or or in the military. Like, was that creative outlets accepted from them? What and and or or did they want you to go down this military route and try and just put um, you in shape? Grandpa Ben and Grandma Connie always had my back. They always wanted. They just loved me. Grandpa Ben's still alive. Grandma Connie passed away about two years ago, but they still to this day. Their Grandpa Ben's ninety eight years old. Wow. And all he wants to know is that. I'm good to go. Like he's very proud of my accomplishments. He's proud that we can call both each other, both of us veterans now. Um, obviously his lineage is World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and he's played a big role in how I act, how I um, how I, I work is what he taught me a lot. Um, my dad, he so-so. My dad's a very creative person. If, if uh, you gave him a car, he can tell you everything about the car. He could tell you everything you can do to make that car look good. What would make it look good? He has an eye for it. So he's very creative. Um, he uses cars as his form of expression. Mm -hmm. uh, for me growing up, that wasn't necessarily the case. Um, he wanted me to do football. I did do football, but I wasn't all in it. I was in dance. And so being in dance, it was like, oh, cool. Like he, he supported me. But at the same time, it was kind of like, oh, dude, why, why couldn't you play football? Like, <laughs> kind of like that fine line of what I was telling you, like, damn, yeah. dude, like, by chance, are you gay or something? Like, <laughs> you know, and and so I had support, um, but it wasn't like there, right? It wasn't like him being mm. like, oh, dude, yes, like, go go dance with your friends, go dance with your buddies. But he knew how serious I took it at the time. I was like, dude, like, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. I was like, this is. I would never, I would spend most of the time going out dancing, going out to parties and just to dance more than to drink or smoke. And he was, um, yeah. And, and, and I, I did it cause I love dance. And so it was, it was, it was different. Um, I, I can't say I got the full, I wouldn't say I got the full support that I needed from my dad, but mm -hmm. from my grandparents eyes. Yeah. Wow. And it's silly question, but was your dad the one that was taking pictures of you doing those handstands, like in front of small of a small world? No <laughs> way, no way, <laughs> he's dude. Like, he's sitting behind the camera. He's like, ah, these handstands. He could be just on the line right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, my uh, my sisters. If anything, my sisters were super supportive. Hmm. Uh, they were the ones that were like, my sisters probably got me in a dance. We swatch America's best dance crew together and that I was probably like in middle school and my sister was on the high school dance team and my other sister was on the high school dance team. And they would introduce me to the guy dancers on the high school dance team that were on the all male dance team. And, uh, I was like, dude, how do I become that? And, um, honestly, once I got to high school, I wanted to do dance even that much more because I realized it got girls. And I was like, that's why I want to do dance. I'm sold. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. sorry. I'm, I'm like, sorry, I'm leaving football. I'm going straight to dance. And then, uh, yeah, I just went straight in and um, just went full force into it. And that's kind of like the rest was history. Yeah. And I feel like that's the motivation for a lot of guys just getting into dances because it's the one that's impressed girls. Like that's oh, 100%. Yeah. That's like the only oh, reason why it just somehow just picks up. So it now, I mean, bridging the gap from you being a dancer and then in high school and then you go into college for two weeks and then even go into the military that's a stark transition and i was wondering if you could just elaborate on that experience because you have i mean something that were i mean it's it's full-on creative trying to figure it out to then sort of i mean this complete transition to a field where they literally break you down and make them a product of let's say just the military so yeah can you elaborate on just what that experience was and just some of those motivations that made you make the switch absolutely so like um yeah i mean starting off it was dance dance was my world um from literally 
sixth grade when I first started practicing on YouTube by myself to high school when I finally got sponsored to dance um, by a family. They paid for my stuff because I couldn't afford it, nor did my parents want to pay for it. Um, and then once I got into Discount Tire, which was my first job ever at 16, I used literally my whole paycheck um, to fund dance and go everywhere from San Diego to LA to San Francisco to dance at all these dance studios to perfect my craft, be known in the place and just find a sense of community and belonging. So that was literally like it for the, for my whole, um, my whole high school mm-hmm. quote unquote career. And um, during that time I went, I, when I got out of high school, I was like, okay, well, I guess I had to do this life thing. So I went to college because my parents were like, you need to go to college. My counselor in high school literally told me, Danny, do you want to go to a four-year or do you want to go to a uh, community college? And I said, okay, well, what do I got to do to get a four-year? They're like, well, you got to take a zero period and uh, you can go to a four-year. And I was like, and if I don't, what does that look like? And she's like, well, you don't have to take a zero period and you can just go to community college and your two classes are going to be first period dance, third period is going to be um, teaching dance and your second and fourth is just your second and fourth period is just math and history. And I was like, yeah, I don't need a zero period. Just send me to community (laughs) college. So that's what I did was I was like, dude, hell yeah. I only have to do two periods in high school and then I get to go home. So I have to check in at eight o'clock, leave by 12. Half of those hours is just me dancing and teaching dance. And then the rest, I, I just get to go home by 12, go surfing, go whatever, skating, whatever I wanted to do. Yeah. And that's what I did. So once I got out of high school um, and I I uh, went straight to college, I did a semester. So it was a little bit longer than two weeks. And um, I, I uh, passed all my classes with flying colors. Um, I was, or I guess I almost passed all my classes with flying colors. I had A's in everything. And I was very smart, even in high school. Um, I just didn't apply myself. And in college, I had all A's and my teacher told me, this is multiple teachers. They literally told me, hey, finals week is the biggest week. If you don't show up, you fail the class. I remember that day I woke up. It was like 7, 10, 7, 20. I had to be a class by eight. I look at my watch, knew I could make it, didn't go. And mm. then just eight o'clock, grab, grab my surfboard, went to the beach. And, uh, I was like, I'm not going to tell my mom I didn't go. Cause I just failed all my classes. Yeah. And, uh, from there I just, uh, I was working at a gym called B fit gym in San Marcos. Mm-hmm. Now it's a planet fitness. And, um, that a few days later, a, uh, a gentleman came up to me and was like, Danny, um, you're really going to do big things. Have you ever read a book before? I was like, I read half of captain underpants when I was in fifth grade. And he was like, should really take up reading a book. And I was like, yeah, dude, I'm open to it. Send me any book recommendations. Next day he brings a book, drops it on my desk and was like, or I guess the front desk is what I should say. Um, and he was like, read this book. It's a great book. It was called see you at the top by Zig Ziglar. And um, I was like, okay, read it, finished the book. And it just changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I never heard of self-development. I've never heard of, my dad was always pushing me. I was been pushed my whole life, always pushed me. But this book really made me realize how important goals is, planning is, um, how important it is to be an asset to people. Um, and so this book literally changed my life. After that, I went back. I was like, hey, do you have any more? He gave me another book called Make Your Bed by General Admin uh, McRaven. And so Admin Admiral McRaven. General, I don't fucking know what his name was. Something <laughs> McRaven. He was he was an old Navy SEAL admiral. Uh, uh, really good book. It's like an hour read. Really tiny book. They sell it at Target. And uh, after that, I was like, dude, I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. So then from there, I was like, uh, I was so obsessed with self-development. Lost a lot of weight. Um, like a lot of weight. Got really buff or I guess really thin was one of the fastest people at my boot camp uh, class. I was very strong. It's like 150 pounds squatting 250 to 275 pounds, like strength to weight. I was really strong. I was really skinny. Um, and I was just pushing my mind past as much as I could. Um, 
And so during that time, when I read that book, I was like, dude, I want to be a Navy SEAL. I went to um, the Marine recruiter. They were like, hey, dude, you can't join. You have three holes in your heart. So then I was like, well, fuck. Like, what am I going to do? I can't join any of the military branches. And then somebody, I won't mention just in case something happens, but somebody told me, Danny, all that shit's some bullshit. Just fucking say you're good and deny everything. So I did. I I said I'm good and I denied everything and I went to the Air Force recruiter. Um Whoa. denied everything, got in. Um literally the day before I was leaving to the Air Force, had a bunch of friends come over, yeah. say goodbye to me. We played basketball, twisted my ankle, got a sprain the size of a softball. And the next day I had to leave. I was on crutches the day before I got to boot camp. Oh my um, god. And I played it off, dude. I played it off. I was like, um, I literally get to the boot camp recruiter or the recruiter before they send me off, grab my ankle while they make me do all these exercises and pretended like it wasn't hurting. Uh, they went to go check my feet. They do like a evaluation where everybody's against the wall and everybody is, everyone puts their feet up. They need to evaluate your feet. Uh, they, they make you do all this stuff, duck walks, everything. And somehow, some way, when they went to go check my feet, I, I tried to cover my ankle as much as I could. It was purple. My foot was purple. And somehow, either that person didn't do their job well and they didn't care or I don't know. But I, I got through. They sent me to boot camp that day on a sprained ankle for two weeks. And I, I passed boot camp with flying colors, being one of the fastest ones of my class, being one of the strongest ones of my class. And from there, it was just like a whole transition of like, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to find a way and um, I'm going to find a way to be successful. I didn't know how, I didn't know where, I didn't know who, but I remember telling my mom a few months before that in, in our, in our kitchen, mom, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know who, but I'm going to be successful. I'm going to be so fucking successful. And if my mom came on this podcast, she would tell you, I was like almost in tears because I was like, I found this golden nugget. I know I'm going to be successful. So fast forward after boot camp, that's where I kind of started learning about real estate. Um, I, if you heard my other podcasts with other people, you'll know that I was during boot camp. I was journaling in a bathroom stall on Sundays, trying not to get caught and writing every week by week and making a blog. I started a blog after about my boot camp experiences and tried making money off a blog that didn't go well and tried all these business routes until I found real estate. But um, to not get too far on a tangent, it was just like that era of my life was such a big moment because I went from being somebody that I never thought I could be just being this kid that danced, had no, I had discipline because of my dad, but was in like a rebellious era. If you talk to my dad, me and him didn't get along. I was an asshole um, to him. Likewise, he was to me and um, we just didn't have a good relationship. And then from there, like I left uh, to boot camp, and a big reason was to hear my dad say he was proud of me um, because I really was yearning as a kid to get his attention uh, for a long time. Mm-hmm. So a lot of what, what pushed me to do that was my dad's attention, my dad's yearning. I wanted to feel like I belonged or that I was loved. Um, so I joined the military also for that reason to be like, okay, I'm leaving, I'm leaving town. Maybe you'll care. Maybe you won't, but I'm going to go live this military soldier life and, uh, do something. And also the success was another way to finally hear him say, I'm proud. Finally hear him say like, dude, you did something like Mm -hmm. show me what you can do instead of just being some dancer that is partying and all this stuff. He didn't know I was partying either. To this day, he may, may, may not know. And so, yeah, dude, I mean, from there, like everything was, that was a huge reason and a huge fuel to the fire to how I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, but I knew I was going to get there. And to this day, I push hard. And I thank my dad for a lot of the stuff he did um, because it led to where I was even though I was lost for so many years trying to figure out where I'm going to go in entrepreneurship, how I was going to get there, how I'm going to make money. Um, we didn't come from a, a money family. So we, I had to figure it out. Like I just put on my, my boots one day and was just like, all right, well, time to get to work, you know? So. 
Wow. No, and I appreciate you sharing that too. And uh, cause I can, I can relate where you're always looking for the, just that affirmation from your parents. And so slightly backtracking, let's throw Priscilla in there. Shout out to Priscilla. Like was, did, did that also affect your relationship with Priscilla as well, where you, you ended up looking for the validation there, or did she end up just being that rock and helped you just kind of like stay, stay the course. And she's also the one that like motivated you to keep, keep on pushing. She was at rock. Um, hmm. She was at rock and she helped a lot. Uh, Priscilla at the time when we first m- met and before we got married, um, Priscilla and I dated for a year, we got married. And during that time um, I wasn't talking to my dad. My dad kicked me out when I came home uh, to visit for a week or two. He kicked me out um, for a very, very minimal reason. And he he got mad. He left my clothes on the side of the road and he was like, go find some other place to live. And so I was like 18, 19 years old in the military with a trash bag of clothes behind my back, walking to side of the road for Priscilla to pick me up. Oh, Priscilla shit. picked me up. Yeah, Priscilla picked me up. Um, this is probably like a few months after dating and, uh, I went to her, her family's place and they housed me, obviously we're in separate rooms and stuff. And, um, they housed me for a week before I had to go back to North Dakota. And during that time I decided, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk to my dad. And if I'm not going to talk to my dad, I'm not going to talk to anyone because I know my mom's going to reach out to me. I know my sisters aren't going to reach out to me. It's probably like for six to eight months. It was, it was a long time. I didn't have any connection. I blocked everyone's number. Sisters have no contact. They would reach out to my, uh, they'd reach out to Priscilla and um, Priscilla was like, Hey, sorry. I don't don't know what to tell you. Like I I just wouldn't respond. Hmm. And so I was very stern on that. And um, I'm one person, I'm a person that can cut people off pretty quickly. In that instance, that's what I did. And I was planning on never talking to them again. Um, And Priscilla uh, we came to the point where we decided to get married and um, she told me, she was like, look, Danny, if we're going to get married, your family has to be there. And I was like, no, it's just going to be me, you and your family. And she was like, no, I will not do this unless you call your dad. And so two, three weeks before we got married, I called my dad and I was like, hey, so I'm let you know, like, I forgive you. And he was like, okay. Like, it was just very, very awkward of conversation. I just remember sitting in my car shaking, not a ton of tears or anything, just like almost like fear. Um, And he, he was like, okay. He was like, he told me he loved me and stuff. Um, From what I remember, I can't remember the full conversation, but he was like, okay. And I said, also, I'm getting married in two weeks. And he was like, are you serious? I was like, yeah, you're more than welcome to come if you'd like. Hmm. And it was like, okay, well. And he was like, well, time to put on your big boy pants. He said something amongst those lines of like, okay, well, it wasn't like a very like loving or anything. It was like, all right, you're an adult. Go, go swim. Sink or hmm. swim one of those conversations and at the time even crazier the military denied my leave to go go get married what Uh, in those two weeks yeah they were like danny you're not going and so i planned on leaving the day of to get married so sometime in august august we got married august 10th so this was august 9th um they told me you're not going so i got on a plane that weekend flew on there knowing I can go AWOL and get in fucking ton of trouble from military. A yeah. ton, yeah. a ton of trouble. Um, yeah, I, I didn't tell anybody. I just left that weekend and I was planning on flying back the weekend after and be married. Um, landed the plane, get a call from my boss. I was like, Oh my fucking God, this is it. Calls me. Hey dude, your leave got approved. Oh. Uh, go, <laughs> go, go out to San Diego. Got it, boss. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hangs up the oh phone, gets God. married five, six hours later. Yeah. Jesus. Um, but to to add to that, the to, long question, long story to your to your answer to your your question. 
Priscilla was that rock. Priscilla, to this day, me and my dad have a very good relationship now. I could tell him anything now. We would wow. never got there if it wasn't for Priscilla. I was I was stern. And to this day, I know if she wasn't in that relationship, if she if she wasn't the person to do it, I would have never, I wouldn't have reached out. Um, mm-hmm. I maybe down the road, but dude, I was I was stern in my way at that time. Um, I probably would have left somewhere, gone wherever I wanted to go, live wherever I wanted to live, and made it happen. Um, so she was a rock in that place. She she was helping me while I was building all my businesses, drop shipping. Um, uh, freaking the failed drop shipping, the failed marketing agency that I owned, the failed, um, the blog website that I own. I wouldn't say she it was, was failed. Leave your impact. I thought it was pretty good. It, it was getting there, but it was, um, yeah, I mean, it didn't make any profit and it was, it was, it was just, uh, an essence of kind of trying to figure out my path. And so it took a long time. Yeah. Well, and, and also I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you on not making any profit either. I think it's just the, it was the longer, it took a longer time just to be able to realize that. And I think it was just an indirect result of, cause like the results that you have now, if you weren't hiding in the bathroom and blogging and learning how to market and that wouldn't have brought you to be able to grow other people's Instagram posts. And then that wouldn't have been able to help you be a marketing director, help be the marketing manager for Neil Bawa. It wouldn't have been able to get you in the door with Dave Tupin, which then wouldn't have gotten you to what you're doing now. Yeah. That's a a great way to think of it. Yeah, absolutely. To me, it was like, I wanted to be a millionaire by 22, 23, right? So doing it does. (laughs) Absolutely. So at 19 doing that was like, fuck i just wasted three four years of my life just working for free and not knowing a damn thing until like i hit 23 24 years old and then i started figuring shit out and it Mm. took so long like it wasn't instantaneous where some people in our space are lucky enough to be 18 19 find a good coach mentor and they make it right and you're like holy shit dude like i wish i didn't around these last four or five years i wish i just went straight into it um so yeah you're right you're a thousand percent right but it was just that was that was tough for me mm. um that yeah that that, that made it tough for me because it was just it just I, I to this day i feel like damn dude that was such a fucking lot of work to be doing for not a lot of return yeah but, but yeah, you're right it- and then there's not really a guarantee either. But then I also think that's what separates people in general is because it, I mean, if you think about it, and this is what, when I was listening to your other podcast that you, it was on the military cash flow, uh, where you were just, it's like you started at a penny and then ended up trading to a, to a Mercedes Benz, where it's just like, you still just kept trading up, trading up, trading up. And I think that's just a such a useful skill to be able to do that. And I was wondering if, where did you learn how to do that or even just like give value in in that aspect was there was there a particular person or a specific event where you were just like you know this is this is how i make it in the world and this is how i network i think it's a little bit of all life experiences but in our reality a lot of things and a lot of things added up into this day my biggest hero is still my dad Um, even though we've been through so much and we were enemies for like six, eight years. Um, one thing I'll share with you that I probably didn't, didn't, uh, share on the military cash flow podcast is like me and my dad's relationship was rocky to the point where I was like, I used to be like, dude, I just wish my dad would, would die. Like, I wish he just like, as a police officer, I just wish like one day he just wouldn't come back. And that's how much I was infuriated with the relationship of my dad, I was like, damn, like this guy's not here for me. Um, he wasn't a bad dad at all. It was just, he was strict, dude. He was very strict, very old school. Uh, in today's standards, he'd be a bad dad because people in my eyes are going to be a little bit more softer. Um, but now as an adult, I'm like, holy shit, thank you. Um, Mm. because, um, to add to that, like, those things, those skills of trading up to value. He, my, when I got my first job at 16, I wanted to work at this company called HRE wheels. And I ended up working for discount tire. Um, HRE just didn't have any availability. 
But what he made me do is go in there. I printed out a manila folder, dressed nice, went into HRE and told the the owner, the director, like the the head honcho there, like, hey, 16 years old. Um, I was wondering if if uh, you had any availabilities or positions available. I will literally scrub toilets for you and work my ass off to get a position here. I told them that and they laughed. Hmm. They're like, dang, you got some balls, kid. They pulled me in the back of the rope. I showed them like the work that me and my dad have done in cars, building cars together. And they were like, um, like, this is impressive. Look, we'd really like to give you something. But honestly, with you being in high school and us not even having positions available, we can't do anything. Come back when you're older. All right. Hmm. Thank you. Went to discount tire, did the same pitch. Hey, I was wondering if I could talk to the main guy here. I will literally scrub toilets to work with you guys. Hired me on the spot. Literally that day, sent me with the contract. Yeah, it was discount tire. It's kind of like a McDonald's, but I don't think they've they've made a hire that fast. And so my dad always taught me to uh, be a servant first, uh, learn something and, and trade. Uh, go in there, work your ass off and trade. And to this day, even in the real estate deals we do, I don't put any little to no money down. And the reason is, is because I work my ass off. A lot of my business partners, I brought them deals that were really, really good. They gave me equity and I did it so many times asking for very minimal equity to the point where they're like, dude, you're with us for life. Like anytime they find a deal, Danny, come on, come in. They don't expect me to put money down. Um, I've always was a servant first mentality, even in the military. I'll do anything for, for my guys. You especially Taylor, like, um, people that are in my corner, like, dude, I'm ready to go to war with. And I've always had that mentality of like, dude, serve first and everything will come second. I love that. And likewise, man, I always got your back Now your family, you and Priscilla are family. Um, and you know, one thing that I was thinking of as you were just talking through your story and even just hearing the history of your dad is just this idea of success. And in a way, I, I've been experiencing this as well with where success looks so, – sometimes there's moments where you're like, am I doing this because I'm trying to be successful or am I doing this because I'm trying to prove something to my my dad? I mean it seems like you've already you know, recovered that relationship and you've already built upon that and, and the beef is just squashed. But do you ever catch yourself – you know, as you're going and starting and starting to buy all these properties and 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 have all this equity, uh, to to then figure out like if you're doing this for yourself or if you're doing this for other people, and is that bad? Um, I don't think either. Um, during during that time, I would say it was for myself, but in all reality, I just wanted my dad's approval. Mm-hmm. When he saw me graduate at boot camp, I think that was the first time where I really heard him say. I'm proud of you. And he was in tears and I was bawling in tears. And I was like, Oh my God, I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. And, um, at that time, yeah, it was a yearn for, for the approval. It was a yearn for my dad, uh, to see that I'm there, right. That I'm, I'm here. Um, now today it's a little bit of both. Um, I'm in a position where 30 is coming quicker. I'm closer to 30 than I am to 20. Um, obviously, I'm 25 right now, but still, it's like, dude. Only 25? Yeah, it went by, dude, it went by here, quick. Man. I know, Jesus. I know, dude, I know you're almost at 30. Okay, chill, out, okay, chill out. <laughs> <laughs> but like, obviously, we're still young. But dude, like, if you talk to 19-year-old me, I couldn't fathom being 25, dude. And I'm sure you couldn't either. But like yeah. now I'm like, dude, I've been married for four years going on five this year. I am about to, I'm probably going to have a kid within the next five years. I plan on 30, but anytime from now to 30, I may have a kid. That came by quick. Like that is quick to think of. So for now, yeah, it's um, not necessarily for anyone's approval. I'm doing things for myself in this at this time, but at the same time, I am doing things for my wife. I am doing things for my future kid. Um, that's why I'm looking to scale. Like I need to buy a house, uh, a house house, not a rental property, but a house house in the next yeah. few years. 
next two, three years. Cause I need to prepare for when I have a kid, I want to give my kid everything. So it's like, um, yeah, now back then I would say it was more so for the approval and a little bit for myself, but now it's, um, a little bit of both. Do you think you're going to carry some of the lessons that your dad gave you and in some of those strategies are like, well, or like, for example, like I, you remember you were mentioning that your dad would bring you to Compton to make sure you always remember where you came from. Uh, are those going to be caught up, brought up when you're having your future kid? Yeah. A thousand, a percent, thousand percent. Um, not fully to the extent, but I think as an adult now, I can appreciate it to the point where I'm like, damn dude. Um, mm. thank you, dad. And I've told him that I've, I've told him multiple times in the last few years, like, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, because of it. Um, I think what I would have done is instead of getting yelled at, like I did by my dad and never knowing why, always just thinking my dad's angry. He's just an asshole. Um, I'd probably sit down with my kid after I yelled at him or disciplined him and told him, dude, look, I know you're better than this. That's why I'm, you know, that's why I'm here. Um, I'm teaching you these things because I went down this path and I've, I've been here. I've been X, Y, Z. Right. And sitting down with him and letting him know, like, dude, this, I truly love you. I truly am uh, looking to push you, but this is why uh, we have to do things a certain way. And hopefully they understand maybe, you know, during that era, kids are going to be rebellious anyways. I don't know. I'm not a dad. Um, but I think in a lot of same ways, yeah, I'm going to be very similar, but I would probably be in a twist. Um, I'm definitely going to be, you know, bring your own to it. 100%. Yeah. Cause that, that was for me, it was the strictness was amazing now as an adult, but I just had no idea why he was doing it. And I don't know if my sister's ever got to um sit down and think the same way as me it may just be me it might not even be my sister's thinking the same way i don't know if my sisters still have resentment or if they're completely free and so um but i think what would free them if they do is if they had understanding of why he was the way he was but for me now that i have success i understand and i'm like damn dude this is what you were trying to do the whole time was you wanted us to be successful. So you pushed us, pushed us really hard. A lot of times was an asshole for it, but dude, you did it. Um, it worked. So, yeah. So I'd probably push in a way of that matter, just trying to explain why I'm the way or try to explain why I disciplined the way I did or yelled at them the way I did or something of that matter. Now, with this empire that you're building, and then you know, let's throw in throw in Priscilla in the mix. Were uh, were you two always on the same page and just understanding where you just have this straight line vision, like, hey, this is where I need to go? Or do you guys have intentional, let's say, routines or habits where you guys set goals together and and sort of find alignments? Like, let's like talk to me through through that and how you guys come back together. Mm-hmm. Priscilla is a yin to my yang. Me and Priscilla have the craziest relationship um, <laughs> because okay. in all reality, we got, we, we started doing marriage counseling a few years ago and it wasn't more so because we were in a rocky ship, but it was just because mm. we wanted to learn more about each other. And uh, like the way I grew up was so strict, was very so servant mentality where hers was a little bit more different she had freedom she could say what she needed to say and her parents respected that as a kid to be able to have freedom be able to say what you need to say we're like with me i would say yes sir to my dad like that was that was how i responded was like hey uh hey dad like very military-esque like almost standing at attention where she was just like she could say whatever she needed to say not necessarily cuss words she was still respectful and stuff but it was just a different house so she has a lot of different things that she she didn't like that i did and a lot of things that i didn't like that she did but it was just because of our um our come up mm-hmm. and so um to this day priscilla and i do do not have it like we should or at least like how i would envision it but it has come a long way um 
back when I was 19 and we were first married, I'd literally be in the office. I'd go do my 12 hour shift in the military. I'd be in the office for six hours and, um, sleep very minimal. I was on like a two to four hour sleep schedule and I didn't spend any time with her. She'd be like, come watch Netflix with me. Come do this with me. And I was like, no dude, I'm trying to make some money. Like, leave me alone. I'm trying to get some bread. Literally. That's exactly how it was. And she could tell you the same thing. And uh, it wasn't very good for our, our first two years, but we we made it through. It, first year of marriage wasn't hard. First two years of marriage weren't hard. But I didn't know my wife as much as I wish I did at, mm. at those beginning years. I was still a kid. Um, and throughout the years, I would always push her like, come on, get a balance sheet, like budget, like get in real estate, like do something, right? And it just wasn't her path. And so for me, I was like, oh my Christ, like, dude, when are you going to start making some bucks? Like, <laughs> you're so much better than this. Um, But, and then as I got older and really in the last two, three years, it came down to like where she has her place, I have my place. She has her own goals. I have my own goals. It's not the fact that she needs to be at my speed. I used to wake her up at five in the morning, dude, and be like, hey, it's time to get up. We got to go to the gym. She'd be like, I'm not a morning person. Like, don't wake me up at five. And I'd be pissed. Like, how can you not wake up at five in the morning? It's time to go to the gym. Like, get up. And she'd be pissed. I did that for a year straight. <laughs> oh, shit. And I got to the point where I realized and I had to grow up like she was two different people. Now, fast forward to today. Um, She's doing a lot of project management management stuff, running her own thing and project management side for small businesses. And then she's doing wholesaling with me and starting up, we're starting to build our own company together. But she's a fucking rock star, dude. She's a superstar. And I think about this all the time because she deals with my bullshit of not picking up my clothes sometimes around the house and it <laughs> pisses her off. But dude, she's cold calling, she's working, and then she fucking comes home, makes dinner, cleans the house, like does everything, dude. And um, over the years, it was just, I was paying everything and she was kind of staying home and cleaning the house, doing what she needed to do. And it was very like traditional. But now like uh, we, our relationship got stronger, not only through real estate and, and her um, pushing herself, but the marriage counseling, that counselor also helps her like understand her background and helped her grow self self-development wise where she's understanding uh social cues social triggers like different things that she didn't learn back in the day um help better herself she goes to the gym sometimes more than i do which was like non-existent back in the day um uh, she really cares about her health she's learning like dude it has been such a um She's been such a rock star, such a superstar, and for years it wasn't like that. And so today we're still not aligned as much as we do or wish we were, but we just started creating vision statements, vision boards for our family Aww. where we want to be Yeah, for the yeah. next five years. And so that's why I could tell you like, hey, baby's coming up within the next five years for sure. We plan on 30, but it can be any time, right? But at the same time, like there's things I got to put in place before that I got to make over 25k a month she needs to make over 5k a month um and just real estate alone um on the wholesale side just wholesale transactions and we gotta start getting a, a house in place um down here in san diego the next two three years and we need to start thinking about like dude where are we gonna go next we also need to get insurance because we're about to turn 26 that's a big one <laughs> that is a big one <laughs> yeah be all mom and dad's one. insurance yeah uh, so yeah, dude, it's been, it's crazy just to think about, but it hasn't always been, been this way. And dude, it's been such a, a journey. Yeah. And it also seemed like it was a, it was a marketing campaign in itself. Like you, you're just trying to find and get Priscilla to get on the same page as you. And then Priscilla's also trying to get you on the same page as her and just figuring out this whole coexisting thing. I think something that I've realized even just within my relationship is because like, I feel like I'm very similar to you where it's like, I'm trying to go, I'm trying to go and trying to go. And I want someone to build that with me. But I also thought it was just a reflection of insecurity on my part where I'm like, I'm not where I want to be. And I'm now trying to get you to help me get to where I want to be. And I'm sort of just imposing all of that those feelings on, on them. Um, but dude, that's fascinating. And it's really cool just to see y'all officially then in, in, in that it's, it's still a, a process, right? Like y'all are still just growing and, and finding that, that alignment together. And so if you don't mind, I would love to hear just 
you know, future five years. I mean, you have a kid benefits that's coming along the way. Anything else you would like to share and what you're working on? I mean, are you going to be diversifying outside of storage facilities and going into other? Absolutely. So right now we don't even buy that many storage facilities as we used to. Um, we still, still have them too. Yeah, we still have six of them, but I hired a manager out in Mexico and and he's been managing all of them for us. So it's really passive for us. And then for uh, right now, what makes us today money active income is our wholesaling. So we've been wholesaling a ton of single family homes out in the Midwest and that's been going well. Um, that makes us the most income. That's how we feed ourselves. That's how we take care of everything we need. Um, but on the side, we're still searching for apartments, storage facilities, um, creating long-term wealth through those avenues, but we don't touch that money. We don't, we don't ever, um, we don't ever get the profits from the apartment storage, whatever it is that we're buying. Um, so yeah, I guess in, in today, like, um, that's kind of in the next five, 10 years, we want to build a solid wholesaling company where we are, um, making more than 10 million a, a year off of net fees just wholesale fees. Um, we want to help agents build Asians? a uh, Asians? agents. Oh, agents. A, a, Asians. <laughs> You're trying agents. to help Asian people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could say so. Uh, yeah. if, if they're a part of our team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to, I want to hire more agents. So a lot of the, our cold callers mm. are in the field are not in the Philippines. They're in Mexico. They used to be in the Philippines. Mm. We only hire in Mexico now. They're deportees, expats, people that grew up in the U.S. or Canada, and they have great accents. And I teach them every morning how to cold call um, scripts, going over call reviews, stuff like that to find deals for us. Mm-hmm. So I want to build that call center or this division in, in our uh, wholesaling business so they can call commercial leads, uh, single family leads, and we can build more wholesaling generation, uh, lead generation. and um, in the next five, 10 years, I want to help more agents be able to create um, financial freedom while living in a, in a different country by helping our business as well. Um, and then also I want to help more sellers. Uh, even though we wholesale, we're not your typical wholesaler that just goes and, and um, steals the house. Steals the place. Sometimes that is the case, but yeah. not always. We generally think of the seller and and what their needs are and uh, how, how we can help them. And we'll formulate multiple offers that will be a benefit for them and their families. Um, For instance, we had a guy that just literally handed over his property because he was about to hit foreclosure and he needed taxes paid off at $7,000. And we just did a subject to deal where I took over the the payments for him, um, paid the $7,000 and he's happy as can be. He sends me Christmas presents. Like he, I saved him from losing everything. And so, um, we're really good friends. I ended up wholesaling that property before we finished and made $10,000 off of it. Um, but yeah, I helped him when other people couldn't. So I would like to do more stuff like that, help more sellers, um, and help more agents and grow the business that way on the wholesale side. And then while still finding commercial leads and building, um, long-term wealth through the commercial property side all while having a kid eventually having a kid yeah eventually having a kid they and one last question before we before we sign off here how long did it take for you to get to your first wholesale deal mm, from the time you started from cold. the time i started it took yeah, a month a month and how mm-hmm. how many calls were you making a day to be honest i wish i tracked that all i know is that i was calling for eight hours a day Eight hours, or, I was probably, and getting probably leads. over a thousand. Were you getting leads from like just some random like VA on like Fiverr upwards? It was just me. I just pulled a list, cold called over a thousand leads um, that I paid for, and was called eight hours a day, every day, Sunday for through Saturday for a month. Got my first one, made 10K off of it recharged the zero interest Amex card did it again. Hell yeah. At that time I quit my job and I was like, Priscilla was like, Holy fuck, what are we going to do? You have no income coming in. And I was like, like, well, zero, 
zero interest credit card. Let's charge our whole life on here real quick and uh, see. I'm going to have to get to work. So that's what I did. Mm. And then it was that Was that you were also was from the last time we spoke, I believe you were in a mastermind too, right? Like an accountability group that was also wholesaling. Was this also the, the thing um, about as well? At least, well, I'm sure you, you, they, they didn't, they weren't, of course they weren't responsible for like everything, but you, you were in a group of, of people that were trying to do the same thing, right? That's when it skyrocketed. I joined that probably July, August. Okay. Or so. Um, a friend of a, my business partner was friends of the owner of the, of that mastermind. And it's probably the best mastermind I've been in. Um, easily worth $30,000 a year. But at the time he was starting it off. So I got it for six and I paid six grand up front. And um, he gave me everything, contracts, walked me through deals, taught me a lot. And I was able to close deals. I probably closed a deal every month. Um, Hell yeah. I know for a fact last year I did on average 10K a month in wholesale fees. Some months I did 20, some months I did five. And so this year's goal is to do 20K. And this is net. This isn't gross. Um, so this year's goal is to make 20K net each month and hit 250 mark um, on my income. So those guys helped me, but they sky once I joined that group, I skyrocketed. Uh, before I just had the the cash offer belt on and I was like, Hey, I want to give you a cash offer. And then after that, it was once I got into this group, I was like, I'm going to sell her finance. I'm going to wholesale subject to, I'm going to, you have all these all different, stuff. different creative financing tools and, and strategies. Oh, I love that. Love that. All right. So we are super over time, at least for the first episode. Uh, but Danny, if somebody wants to reach out, learn more about you, whether that, I guess that's uh, mending their relationship with their father or learning how to wholesale, how can they reach out to you? Um, Instagram is usually where I'll respond the most. Um, I like to ignore a lot of people on Instagram too, depending on what you write. Um, but if, if you want to reach out and you listen to this, then reach out to me on Instagram on the DMS. Um, and then also the YouTube, the YouTube channel, I've been pressing a little bit harder. Um, but if you want to see my lifestyle, I, post more of it on YouTube where I do how-to videos, but also a little bit of travel with Priscilla and I. So if you want to meet my personality, then that's kind of where you'd, I would suggest. See some dance videos as well. If you look even further down the, down the way bottom, yeah, yeah the, the way bottom. bottom and then see that motivational video by Nick. Dude, you know, by yeah. Nick. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Sick. Yeah. Well, that'll also be in the show notes. Danny, thank you so much for hopping on to the show. Can't wait for our action items episode happening in a few days. So stay tuned. Appreciate your time, Danny. Sweet. Thanks, Taylor. Thanks for listening to the Taylor Coop podcast. If you gain any value out of this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you share this with your friends. Hopefully they can get the same value as well as you did. And also leave a comment or review on whatever podcasting platform that you're listening on. I appreciate your time. Thank you for joining me and I'll see you at the next episode.